Radio. A first-hand account on the shooting of St. John Paul II. A presentation by Father Thomas Lawyer during the Theology of the Body retreat held at the Manchuenstadt Retreat Center in Malgoa. Hey, glory to Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, some of you were interested in my story of when John Paul II was shot, so I saved it for after lunch. <laughs> this is uh, not the theology of the body, the theology of St. Peter's Square. <laughs> little map of St. Peter's, a little bird's eye view. Here's, here's uh, St. Peter's, the actual church, you know, the big dome, Michelangelo design, somewhat smaller domes. These are other areas off of that, of the St. Peter's, and then the Vatican gardens are back here, and so on. And if you've ever been there, there's a big, we call it in English a square, but it's really a piazza, like a you know, big rounded area, which is uh, bordered by, uh, this is rows of colonnades, famous colonnades that go all the way like a big horseshoe. Then the, then the street comes in uh, via Conciliazione, the main street goes right up to St. Peter's. And on Wednesday afternoons, the Pope, John Paul II, would come out and he'd have an audience. And he would teach, at the time, he was teaching Theology of the Body. Each, you know, each one of those little lessons in your book was what he would give, give each week. And so they, they would have uh, like some barricades and they, they kind of had this sectioned off. So he would, there'd be like uh, seats here and you know, barricades. And because I lived there and I go there every week, I know where to position myself to get very close to him. You know, he, he would come out, like over here, in his little truck, little potmobile, and he'd ride around, you know, and at that time, he'd ride around close enough, you could actually reach over and shake his hand. You know, so uh, I was positioned about right around here somewhere, where I knew I'd get pretty close to him, because I would go every week to hear his talks on Theology of the Body, not knowing it would become what we know today as Theology of the Body. Well, Remember I told you that uh, he was shot on the day, May 13th, and uh, it was uh, the Feast of Fatima, and it was the, uh, the week after he had just given the talk on how to look at you know, the human body in, instead of pornography. So I think it was really, it was no coincidence that it happened then. Well, there was also something else that wasn't a coincidence. That week... In, in Italy, there was a uh, referendum. It was in the, it was in the you know, realm of the politics and government. A referendum where the Italians were to vote on it. And it really came down to basically a pro-life versus pro-choice vote. It was basically what it was. It had to do with a, a life issue. And John Paul II was, of course, coming out very strong and urging the Italians to vote pro-life. Well, in Italy, they, it's, they have uh, representations in their government like not only Democrats, but fascists and socialists and so on. And they also have newspapers. Like there's a prominent communist newspaper that you get in Rome. So in this newspaper, the communists were really railing against the Pope. So this is like, like beginning of the week. And remember I said he comes out on Wednesdays. He would come out and drive around, and eventually he'd, he'd go sit on his little, little chair here on the steps, and then he would give, his, uh, give his, his, his address in five languages. 
And I remember reading this and, and sensing what was going on in Rome at the time. And I was feeling this, this, this tension, this, this like very eerie kind of feeling that was growing in me. It was very real. It's very eerie. And the feeling was that the Pope was in trouble, that he was in serious danger. And the feeling in me grew, it kept growing, it kept growing. And it's becoming more and more real, like sure real, you know, really creepy. You know, real, but scary, just as creepy. And so, I went, as usual, on Wednesday to hear his audience, but I went actually out of concern. I was generally concerned that something was going to happen to him. And so I came and took my position, strategic position, where I figured I'd get close to him, you know, then I'd just stand there and listen to his, his talk. And that day, uh, you know, I was waiting for him to come out of the the door here, and uh, he was late, and I was getting a little tired of standing. He would come out like late afternoon and do these talks, and I was getting a little bit tired, so I decided, well, I'm going to go and sit down. So I went and sat down over here by the colonnades, like, like right about here. I was standing there, and finally he comes out. But, oh, but before he comes out, I'm sitting at the colonnade, my mind is really going now. Now, this feeling, this eerie feeling that was so real, is becoming like super real. I mean, it, the volume is like all the way up in me. I'm actually sitting there looking around, and I was literally looking for snipers. I said, you know, he is so vulnerable. Anyone can pick him off right here. I mean, this was growing. It was like, like a volume being turned up. It was real as real can be. And eerie as eerie can be. And it kept crescendo. It got stronger and stronger and stronger in me. And it was really freaking me out. And so he finally comes out. And the crowd cheers. He's coming out. He comes around here. I stand up. So, okay, he finally came, you know. I didn't move. I could have gotten closer. I was like, well, there's, there's enough of a crowd filling in here already. So, you know, I just, you know. <laughs> I lost my position, my strategic position, because I, I knew when to get there, I'd get there early, and I was, you know, lived there, so I knew all the tricks, you know. So he comes around here, he's driving around here as usual. He gets to about right here, and I hear pow, pow. And the whole crowd here, like the whole world, went into like, like a suspended state. And I remember jumping up. I was sitting there. I jumped I, and I was like, I don't know if I shouted. It was like a dream. I don't know if I shouted it or just was in my mind. But I remember the words in me saying, what's the matter? everybody?" Because everybody like froze, like the world froze, almost like time stopped, like reality stopped, like went into another world. It's the best way I can describe it. And, and I said, either to myself or I, or I said something, I don't remember. I just remember the words coming to me that, what's the matter there? Don't they know he was shot? He shot. The Pope has been shot. I knew it was going to happen. The Pope had been shot. Somebody do something. Because everybody, everything just stopped. It was absolute silence. Nobody was moving. Just, just like, a, like a science fiction movie. 
it, it's, like, it's like the world, the reality, literally stopped. But, but except for me, I knew. It's like I knew. And I couldn't understand why everybody was stopping because it's like I knew it because those, those were the thoughts that were going through my head louder and louder and louder and louder until finally I heard the shots. And then suddenly things started to get you know, more excited, pandemonium, all that, and I saw the commotion over here and they were chasing down this guy, Aja, and one of the persons that was very instrumental in apprehending him was a nun. <laughs> I learned that I was in Rome. One of the most fearsome forces in, in Rome are nuns. <laughs> you don't cross nuns in Rome. <laughs> so a nun got a hold of him. And, but, but the thing is, while this was happening, there's all this pandemonium, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, and I realized, my gosh, the Pope was shot right where I was standing moments ago. And out of, seemingly out of nowhere came all these soldiers, the military people, and they came flying in here, a full military gear, they went right past me. And it, what was really scary about it is that you didn't know the extent of this. You know, you know that the Pope is shot, you heard gunshots, the soldiers start flying. I don't know where they came. They were like angels. came out of the sky or something. I couldn't believe it. All military gear, all just like in seconds. They came storming past me. Storming. They, they closed this whole thing off. They closed this entire area off in seconds. And I thought, you know, wow, is this going to be a shootout? You know, we couldn't leave, you know. I said, man, we're going to be in a crossfire. Is this a shootout? I mean, these guys would come in full, you know, with the machine guns and the helmets and the vests and the helicopters and within seconds. And so I realized I couldn't leave because, you know, danger or not, I, I could be a suspect. You know, as a single guy, you know, wasn't a priest then, you know. I probably looked younger and more intimidating or something or suspicious back then. <laughs> so I stayed there, and uh, there was all this commotion. I realized they had apprehended him, and then things quieted down a little bit. They kept everything closed off. Nobody could leave or go in and out. And then eventually one of the bishops here, one of the attendants, uh, began to lead everybody in the rosary and then the prayer. And then eventually they, they opened up the uh, St. Peter's and realized it was just one, one assailant, one person. But he was trying to run this way, and, and the, you could, I could see the whole crowd just like getting, you know, going this way. And I realized that where it happened was right where I was standing moments ago. And uh, so I went back to... The, my, my, the seminary there, and uh, I told a few guys, and I, I was like, I could hardly talk. I was just like in shock. And, and especially the fact that I, I knew, when I say I knew, I didn't know factually, I knew intuitively that something was going to happen to him, something terrible. I mean, it was the most real feeling you could possibly imagine. It was absolutely, totally, totally real. I was totally convinced and it was, it was a creepy kind of real, creepy. And when I came back, um, it wasn't too long when I already had uh, media from America calling me. Somehow word got back or out there that I was an eyewitness. So they were calling me for reports. And I refused to talk to them because I didn't know if you know, my family would be in danger. I mean, I'm going to be a witness to something. I don't know who's behind all this. You know, it was very frightening. You know, very, very eerie. So, the Pope, this is on May 13th, and that interrupted his Theodicy talks for several months. He was taken to the hospital, and, uh, yes? What did the nun do to him? 
Then I just grabbed him, grabbed, got, grabbed him, grabbed him, you know, to, and then other people came and, and got him too. He didn't get away. He wasn't able to get away. He was trying to get away. He was trying to exit through here, you know, but they, she got, grabbed his arm and got, and by the way, when, when he shot, the bullet, one of the bullets went through the Pope and into somebody else. There was actually another person that, that took a bullet that went through the Pope all the way out into another person. That person was okay, but they, they, they took a bullet. And uh, he, he was going to announce that this is the week after he talked about, you know, you know gave, gave an antidote against pornography from the theology of the body. And he was going to announce that day the establishment of the John Paul II Institute. So you see, it was just, it was, the timing was just incredible. You could see the evil trying to stop this man who was presenting to the world what I call the dagger that would be thrust into the heart of the culture of death. So uh, some months passed, and uh, he, was, you know, he was very, very seriously injured. It came out later on that his injury, he shouldn't have lived, and anybody else probably would have died. And I'll never forget, I stood in the same spot when he made his first appearance after he recovered you know, from his window. And it was, a, this fill, it was filled with people, just tears of joy when he was still among us. And he appeared at that window for the first time in months after his recuperation. That same year that I was there, I was out to dinner with a bishop. His name was Bishop Hickey. He took a bunch of seminarians out to dinner. We were at dinner, and we're coming back to the seminaries, North American College. And a seminarian comes running out to the car, to the bishop. I can see he's troubled. He says, he says Bishop, Bishop, uh, President Reagan has been shot. And this bishop happened to have been uh, connected with the uh, like military chaplaincy, so he had to be apprised of any kind of a security threats and all that. So uh, so Reagan got shot that same year. I later learned, a few years later, that, uh, of course, going back, backing up, the, uh, the assailant was uh, put up to this by communists. Okay, you know that? He was trained in communist Bulgaria, and he was, you know, the communist. So that, that kind of confirmed my suspicions that was going on in the communist newspaper. They're reeling against the Pope. Well, they tried to take him out. They literally tried to take him out. But also at the time, we were, uh, remember, we were, the Poland was experiencing, they're starting to experience that solidarity where they're going to rebel against, you know, finally come out of oppression against the uh, Iron Curtain, you know, from the Soviets. So there was a lot of stuff going on. There was a lot of tug of war between the forces of life and the dignity of the human person from Poland to the theology of the body versus the forces of death. You know, communist oppression and, and the referendum in favor of uh, abortion. You, you could just see there was, there was a battle of good and evil going on that manifests itself. You know, the invisible battle became visible through the physical, as I've said all weekend. And I, and I lived it. And it was, it was very, very real. It was like super real, surreal and real at the same time. Well, later on I learned that 
uh, a few years later, in, in uh, remember 1990, the Iron Curtain fell in uh, Germany and then uh, in Russia. No, it was communism fell. And the reason it fell was largely because, well, first of all, people have been praying for 70 years. But it fell because of two people, John Paul II and Ronald Reagan. When Reagan was shot, he eventually, when he recovered, and he too was not expected to live. His, his uh, injury was actually very, very life-threatening. The, the two of them got together, the Pope and Reagan. And they both were committed to bringing down, eradicating communism from the earth. Pope John Paul II was, and so was Reagan. The reason Ronald Reagan became president, the reason he ran for president, it motivated him to run for president, was he had a very deep conviction that he had to do something to bring down communism. Ronald Reagan's underlying reasons for becoming a president grew out of his personal spirituality. And when he met the Pope, he, he and the Pope exchanged notes and said, hey, you want to see mine? Well, yeah, I want to see mine? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, look at this. Yeah. <laughs> and they both realized that they had sustained a wound at the same time, same time within the same year, that should have been uh, lethal. And they both realized that they were spared because they had the same purpose together. And Ronald Reagan and Pope John Paul II worked very closely, secretly, to together bring down communism. And in fact, I even know the code word they used. When Reagan wanted to contact the Pope, he would say in Washington, D.C., he would say to his staff, let's go for cappuccino. Because the Russians were listening in, see? So the, that was the code word for them to contact the, the Pope and the Vatican. And it, it's interesting because here you had, at that time, was the greatest threat to civilization, was communism. And everything it had, that it had to do with. I mean, it supported abortion and so on. And yet, God raised up two people to defeat that force. And now we have another threat. And I look to God to raise up, if it's his will, those that might defeat this force as well. You look historically in the church and in history, how certain people were raised up just at the right time. That, that turned the, the tides of history, both in the church. You know, you had like the fathers of the church. You know, you had a, a Benedict, St. Benedict. You had Aquinas. You had people in the church that came along at certain times that just kind of turned the church on its axis because it was needed. And you can see that in history too, in secular history as well. 
So it's interesting to see God's providence and to keep hoping for his continued providence in, in the affairs of the world, especially now. Yes? In the Pope's Square, before he was shot, you're anxious and intuitive. Did you name that as being a sense of evil? Yes, yes, yes. It was, Father. It was, it was, it was an evil feeling. It was evil, evil, evil. That's why I kept like obsessing. It was like, like, it was like crescendoing, you know. And even the point, I'm starting to look around. I'm actually starting to look for snipers, and it was so real. And it was, yeah, it was an evil, evil feel. It was presence of evil. And then when everything just stopped, you know, you could just. I mean, this was this was a real spiritual phenomena took place. Real spiritual battle was happening right there in that St. Peter's Square. And it was real. So real. I'll never forget it. Never forget it. I knew it. I knew it was going to happen. And when it did, I felt like I was the only one that knew. It's like, I knew, I knew, I knew. You know, it's just like... And, and it happened so quick. And he came out and boom, boom, there were the shots. You know? Then, of course, you know the story where he went to his, he visited his assailant in jail and talked with him and offered his forgiveness and so on, you know. And he's still alive to this day. Yeah, he's still alive to this day, you know. And he still doesn't really know why he did it. He just got brainwashed by, you know. Yes. What's that? Oh, is that? Is really? He wants to become a priest. Wow. Would that be something? Wow, <laughs> that would be something. That would be John Paul's intercession in heaven, if that happens. Definitely. <laughs> Ultimate revenge. I'll fix you. I'll make you a priest, Buster. I think you mentioned who he was having lunch with that day. He, he was having lunch. Yeah, you know how you said they were, they were, it was the day they were founding that new institute? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, and he was having lunch with Marcel Lejeune. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. And that foundation still exists today. And there's oh, yeah. There's a lot of very um, excellent pro-life material. Yes. What's the name of it again? Um, Lejeune. Lejeune Foundation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lejeune Foundation. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just a good resource. Yeah. You see how evil can... Again, the invisible force of evil made visible through the physical. A bullet, you know. And you know it's evil, like you're saying, Father, because he, Aja, his name, guy's name was Aja, he, he, didn't, he never really was coherent about why he did that. You know, it was just evil overtook him. Uh, and not, I mean, he, he was commandeered by the communists and all that, and there was a young guy and just sort of a, you know, just got used, you know. But, but you see, one way or another, they would have done this to John Paul because they know that he was bringing down communism in Poland. The whole Solidarity movement was inspired by John Paul. He came there, he said a few things. He said something, there was, there was one thing, message he gave to the Polish people when he came there. He said, you, something like you don't deserve to live like this. It was a phrase, something like that. And that, was the spark that ignited the entire rebellion against communism in Poland. The whole Solidarity movement was John Paul, one statement, one message he gave to his people, just one. 
And they were like, yeah, that's right. That's right. We're not taking us anymore. And that's when it started. And from there, it went like a house of cards. Who would ever thought it? I uh, had seen John Paul a few times. I was in his private chapel with him and saying, uh, he invited, uh, we got invited, a group of us got invited to sing, sing uh, we, he, he, we came and he did Mass, and we, did, and we attended Mass in his private chapel, and we met with him afterwards, and uh, he asked us to, uh, for all the, the parts of the Mass that were similar to the Byzantine, we, we, he invited us to sing our chant. So like, you know, for the Our Father, you know, things that are common to our liturgies, we sang our chant while he, he did the Mass, and we met him afterwards. Now, I can honestly say this, too. I gave orders to John Paul II, and he obeyed me. <laughs> it's true. Because we, I'll tell you, when we were sitting there with him afterwards, and we were talking with him, and there were a number of us there, some priests and seminary. We, we had several priests that were getting their doctorates in Rome. So it was pretty, pretty uh, stellar moment for our church, and I was pretty proud of that. So we were taking pictures of the Pope, and I wanted the Pope to, to, to pose with these four priests who were getting their doctorates. So I went to Monsignor Zivish, and I asked him, can you ask the Holy Father to pose with those four priests? And he said to me, go ask him yourself. <laughs> so I went like the scarecrow, the Wizard of Oz, you know, you dare to approach the great Oz. You know? <laughs> so, I, so I said to him, Holy Father, could you stand over here and pose for these priests, with these priests? He goes, okay, sure. <laughs> he did. <laughs> I have that picture to this day. Should have brought it with me. <laughs> so I gave the Pope's orders and he obeyed. <laughs> I can honestly say that. <laughs> that was Father Thomas Lawyer with a first-hand account on the shooting of St. John Paul II. This presentation was part of the Theology of the Body retreat held at the Mount Schoenstatt Retreat Center in Molgoa and which was organized by the Family and Life Office from the Diocese of Parramatta. And for more talks, interviews and shows, visit cradio.org.au